Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we're going to be taking a look at the 2017 entry draft, and we will probably get through at least half, if not a little bit more. And given the fact that we started at the bottom of the 2016 draft, we're going to start back at the top for 2017. So 2017, for those who don't really remember, actually holds quite a bit of, let's just say, relevance for the Jets right now, because a couple of these guys are some of the young defensemen I've been talking about pushing the NHL lineup over the next couple of seasons. But I think the first thing we have to get off the out of the way is the first round pick who I think a lot of folks are very divided on. And this guy is drafted at number 24th overall, Christian Veselainen. The left winger is a very interesting prospect. Veselainen was taken um, from, I think, Liga, and he was kind of a very talented, slightly underrated, but unique package of traits that made people think he might be a very special top six winger. He was drafted because his skating stride is okay, but he's got a venomous shot, he's got pretty well-rounded offensive instincts, and he was a fairly prolific scorer in Liga. He's not really like Patrick Laine, even though he does shoot a lot on the power play. I would say Veselainen, he's kind of a complicated player because he's a very well-rounded offensive talent, but he does have some issues, especially at even strength. I think one of the things that kind of drives people nuts about him is that when it comes to 5v5 play, Veselainen isn't as involved as some of the other forwards. He possesses a very good shot, he's a smart skater, and he knows his positioning well, but he just doesn't seem to really engage as much as you would expect a guy of his talent. At one point, we all kind of hoped that he might become like Blake Wheeler's eventual successor. I think he's not going to really be that kind of player. Wheeler, in his prime, was a very high work rate, high backtracking, uh, offensive driver in both ends of the ice. Veselainen doesn't do that as much. I think that he's a very good skater. I think that he has a, a lot of natural traits, size, and stick handling, that makes him a good threat. But I think that, unlike Wheeler, I don't know that he's going to use his his speed and skill as much at all times. Wheeler kind of pushed himself a lot, which maybe is why his health isn't as good, and maybe he actually suffered some of his injuries because he constantly drives towards the net and kind of comes in against, uh, cuts in against opposing defenders. I don't think Veselainen really has the same physical style of play, but I do think Christian's very talented. Towards the end of his recent stint with the Moose, which is his second season so far, he actually started to hit something of a scoring streak. I think he was dry for most of the first half of the season, relatively speaking to his talent levels. But towards the end of the season, he started putting uh, points on the board more frequently. And I think that that's apparently coinciding with what people saw as far as his even strength play was concerned. Even if he's not maybe the world's most elite top six forward prospect, I think that he'll have quite a bit of productive years on the at least the power play. I do think that there's a, a next level to his game, though. When he was with HPK and uh, Ferlunda, I think that there were glimpses of a much more interesting package than what the Jets have seen with him. His early NHL games, uh, all five of them weren't really that impressive, but I think that he has the ability to turn on the Jets, so to speak, very quickly. 
and I think these next couple of seasons are going to be pretty pivotal for him. All of this said, he's only 20, and I think that he has at least a lot of room for growth. He's already significantly improved since his first season with the Moose, but mostly in the smaller areas. I think I still want to see him really pick up his game and and show us more of his dynamic skating and attacking ability because I think for the most part he's not really done enough to earn much of a call-up. I think over the next couple of seasons he's going to be a much better prospect than what we've seen so far, but until that time arrives and until he really hits his next level of of play, I would say, I'm not sure where he fits into the long-term picture. I'm definitely not recommending that he get traded or anything, I just don't know how he's going to, to track with the Jets, because thus far he's been okay, but I don't think that he's really impressed the brass enough to get a long-term top six look. The prognosis on the guy taken after him in round two at pick number 43 is Dylan Sandberg, and the prognosis is significantly better. I would say that Dylan Sandberg is looking to be a mighty fine addition to Winnipeg's defensive arsenal, which quite honestly is very limited right now, but you take what you can get. Sandberg, though, when he was drafted was kind of interesting. Aside from his really endearing interviews and stuff, I feel like Sandberg, a lot of folks felt that he was taken a little bit too high because he was sort of an unknown. I think he got drafted out of like Minnesota, um, like a Minnesota high school system which Minnesota high schools, look, they're a very good league and they have a lot of different, I guess, proving grounds for young prospects. But Sandberg was kind of an unknown because it wasn't really clear if his levels of of skill and his physicality and size, as well as his, I guess, limited scouting available, if all of these facets put him on the path to like a pro career. Some people thought that, yes, at some point he would be some kind of maybe a, a, a third-pairing de- or second-pairing defenseman. But, you know, he was still kind of a relative unknown to a lot of people. And he was, I think, projected to be taken a little bit later than he was taken. So some folks felt that he was maybe overdrafted. But I think over the past couple of years, as he's really honed his uh, his skill sets and his skating and his offensive game, rounding it, rounding it out with the uh, Minnesota Bulldogs, I think people have come to understand that he really is a high-end prospect. Sandberg looks really good, and I think that he's probably one of Winnipeg's most important prospects because he's looking to be mostly pro-ready, and I think that he has potential to be a very good high-end top-four defenseman. I don't know if he's going to be like first-pairing quality, but at least second-pairing I think is pretty safe to say. The really good news with him is that he is now under contract for three years starting next season, which is a big deal for the Jets because he was kind of hanging out for a little bit, and there was a concern that maybe he goes back to college for one more year. But thankfully, he elected to to uphold his commitments to Winnipeg and ended up signing a contract. That's a huge win in a season where the Jets haven't had as many victories to celebrate, and I think that Sandberg really locking it down and, and affirming his commitment is just fantastic news. It's great if you're a Jets fan. It's great if you're looking for some kind of a top-four defender, It's just fantastic news all around, and I'm very happy and excited to see what this young kid can do for us. Up next on our list of defenders, we have at number 74 overall, third round, right-handed Jonathan Kovacevic. And Kovacevic is interesting because he's a big kid, he's 6'5", around 220, and he is very offensively gifted. So Kovacevic actually came out of Merrimack College, and Merrimack is a very bad program. In fact, Merrimack had one of the worst 
collegiate teams, I think, in, in Division One. So I think it's been a bit of a hard road. And yet, despite being on very poor teams, Kovacevic has had 19, 17, and 18 points over his last three college seasons. Now, that might not sound like a whole lot, but you have to understand, that's basically tied or in second place for top score on his team as a defenseman. When he came to the Manitoba Moose, he had uh, actually been pretty productive. In one game in, in the first season, he had two points, which is kind of funny. And then this year, he had 12 points in 45 games. And from what I understand, he's been very decent. I think Kovacevic probably clocks in at like a third pairing defenseman. Very good. He has a lot of upside, though, because he's got a massive stature. He's got a booming shot, pretty decent edge work. And I think that he has good offensive instincts. He's a little bit of a project in some respects, but I think Kovacevic has very good upside, and I think that he's pro-ready already. With, you know, the the sure-to-come injuries and things that will probably hit the Jets next season, Kovacevic might already get a shot during next year's training camp or a call-up if somebody goes down. I think Johnny has a lot of potential to be a very good depth defenseman, maybe something more. Winnipeg could also use, like, a big right-handed shot on the back end for their power play and somebody who can probably pass a bit faster than Neil Pionk. Winnipeg doesn't have many offensive quarterbacks for the power play right now, so if Kovacevic could play that role, I think that'd be very ideal. You know, obviously Morrissey, Pionk, Niku, those guys haven't really done as much on the PP. I think Pionk has a lot of points because he's constantly shooting and and looking for offensive lanes, but he's also kind of had trouble getting line A open and timing his passes to line A correctly, so obviously finding a a more suitable role for Neil to be maybe somebody net front creating a little bit of havoc there makes more sense than having him be the QB um, on the back end. Speaking of offensive threats, there is another guy who was drafted at 105th overall in the fourth round, and he was taken. He's yet another Finn, which Winnipeg certainly loves Finns. Now, this kid came out of the UHL or USHL playing for the Dubuque Fighting Saints, and this is Santeri Vertanen. Vertanen is something of a two-way center with some decent offensive instincts. I don't think that Santeri was considered a high-end prospect. I think most people thought that he probably tops out as like a middle six or more likely a bottom six forward. I think, though, that, you know, when Winnipeg picks these guys, especially the uh, the Finns and Europeans and college kids, I always pay attention because Winnipeg has gotten very good at extracting value out of their later round picks especially when they're scouting in leagues or, I guess, from certain uh, uh, like areas and domains. Like They're very good at American scouting, they're very good at European scouting, and they're very good at... Honestly, their major junior scouting is pretty decent. So they have like an interesting combination of looking for guys who put up you know, good primary scoring rates for their age groups, but they also look for players who have certain builds and statures but also know how to use it and can employ those those physical traits to match their skill sets. It's a lot different for the most part than the days of them picking guys like uh, Sutter. So I think that Santeri has had something of a troubled development trajectory, but I think that over time, if he continues to be decent in Liga, especially as a 20-year-old, and eventually comes back to North America, he might not be too bad at all as like a fourth-line option. I'd love uh, another quality young penalty killer, and if he has some offensive upside to give a little bit more than just being a PK specialist or two-way transitional center, I think that that would be great for Winnipeg. I think the Jets could use really skilled, talented depth forwards who can replace guys instead of paying more money for those kinds of players. 
One more name of interest that was taken in the uh, following round in round five, number 136, is yet another right-handed defenseman, this one born in Berlin, Germany. Germany has had a recent exodus of talent coming overseas, which is pretty cool because I don't know of many top-end German hockey players that have made the trip overseas. Um, there's Marco Sturm, of course, but I think uh, beyond that, not many too, no- too many notable guys. I think... Is Reader German? No, I thought Reader is Swedish. I forget. Uh, but generally speaking, Dreisaitl was one of like the first of a, a new crop of young German talented players who can really put up big numbers in the pro leagues. And Gavanki might be the next one. I think Gavanki as a defenseman is a very interesting prospect because when he was with Cape Breton in the QMJHL, he had monster numbers um, for a guy patrolling the blue line. Now, the Q is a high-scoring league, but Gavanki had, well, he was a really high-event fun player, which does mean that defensively speaking, he didn't really have a whole lot of spatial awareness in the blue line area and in his own end. That's fine. I think that that's something that you can work on. But what he did, perhaps lack in defensive skills, he more than compensated with his offensive instincts, a very nice shot, great edge work, smart lateral movement, good offensive zone positioning, just a really well-rounded player. And this year with the Moose, he was up to 26 points in 48 games. So it's clear that his offensive style, which is probably going to be something of a back-end catalyst, is going to go over big in the NHL, I would think. He has a lot of upside, and I think that he might be high-end second pairing. I don't know if he will reach that ceiling, but I think that Gavanki, of the D prospects, might be right up there with uh, with Dylan Sandberg. It remains to be seen if he's going to continue that level of success once he moves to the NHL. I think it's just a question of when he will. But as a 20-year-old, lighting it up in the AHL is fantastic news, and I think Gavanki, especially for where he was drafted, is going to be immense value for that pick. As we continue to plug along in our draft coverage, or should I say draft review and retrospective, so to speak, we now move on to 21-year-old Arvid Holm, who was drafted out of Sweden. Now, Arvid is kind of a curious prospect because not a whole lot is known about him. But what is known is that Winnipeg, I think, liked his size, and I think that they felt that he had some interesting technicals and ability that might at some point translate to a higher level. His first couple of seasons, I think, with, uh, I don't even know how you pronounce this, Karlskrona, uh, that's probably wrong. I apologize to any Swedish listeners, but he played a couple of like different levels of, of Swedish hockey with this team. And then last year, he moved to Farjestad. Now, uh, with Farjestad, he was actually pretty decent. In fact, I think a lot of people said that he seemingly turned his career around within like the span of, of one calendar year. The information on Arvid is a little bit limited, but from what I've heard from European scouts that have have talked about him a bit, he's apparently made some massive changes to his game and significantly improved. I don't really know what that means as far as his NHL trajectory, but Winnipeg has gotten a lot better at scouting goalies in deeper rounds. Obviously, drafting goalies up high is always a tremendous risk, even for the guys that are supposedly bonafide dunks. Goalie results are really hard to find repeatable patterns with most uh, most uh, netminders, so I think that Winnipeg does the right thing in where they draft their guys, and Holm was a sixth-round pick. I think that that's a fine punt to take. You know, Hellebuck is a fifth-rounder. I think Comrie was at, at the highest, like a third-rounder or second-rounder. Usually Winnipeg just doesn't spend assets on goalies like that. 
Bairdine, I think, was a fifth-round pick, and Bairdine looks like a stud. So I'm going to defer to the experts on this one and just hope that Holm at some point finds his way to North America within the next couple of seasons. Hopefully he becomes a really good AHL goalie and maybe even, at some point, a backup to Mikhail Berdine. In the NHL, that is. Our next guy is another seventh-round pick at number 198. And I say another, but I mean, I guess the first of this draft, just you know what I'm saying. Basically, this guy, Skylar McKenzie, is like Nick Patan 2.0 or something. Skyler put up huge numbers with Portland. He was a very offensively gifted attacker. Lots of goals, lots of assists, lots of offensive production, lots of shots. Uh, pretty good edge work from what I understand. He is small. He's 5'8", and on the lighter side. So I think Winnipeg likes these small wingers to kind of punt on. Guys with really high-end vision, good stick handling, fast skating, uh, really sharp offensive zone instincts. Mackenzie's first couple of seasons with the Moose have been all right. I wouldn't say that they've been outstanding, especially for a guy who's now 22 years old. But I will say that, you know, despite the fact that he may have limited NHL upside, I really like having his kind of tool set at the AHL level. When Patan was here, he was basically quarterbacking almost every aspect for the Moose. And we haven't had a conductor like that ever since Harkins and Roslovic graduated. So Mackenzie if he can provide any sort of semblance of that same level of ability, which I, I think would be asking a lot, you know, I, I think that that would be great. It will be interesting to see what he looks like come, you know, the next season's training camp, if they even have one. I, I kind of want to know if he has maybe some fourth-line potential. I think that that would be fun. You know, Logan Shaw and Gabriel Bork, bless them, are, are perhaps a little bit past their primes. So I wouldn't mind taking a punt on a guy who... Winnipeg thinks has some offensive chops and the ability to slip into gaps. Uh, you know, if you pair him with somebody like Nick Dowd, I think Dowd is like a very smart player, somebody who seemingly finds his teammates when they're in very good positions all the time. So I wouldn't mind seeing Dowd play with like a McKenzie. I wouldn't mind seeing Gustafson play with McKenzie. Basically, anyone that the Jets are willing to give that has like a high offensive IQ, I wonder if that would make sense to pair with Skyler. Our second seventh round pick is a lot fringier, uh, and he is Croy Evingson. He is a six foot five defenseman, big, big kid, huge wingspan out of Anchorage. And at some point, he was considered to potentially be like the next Colton Pareko. Now, obviously, I think people were saying that that was like his max ceiling. He has the same stature, same kind of offensively gifted style. And he was a very rare player in the sense that when he was with Shreveport, in the NAHL, which is, of course, not really known to be a high-end league, he was, I think, the highest-scoring defenseman of all time for them, or at least had the highest-scoring single-season record, and that's that's something that may not get shattered anytime soon. He had 52 points in 59 games and ended up going to UMass Lowell, but as a UMass stay really didn't translate to much, in part because it seems like he really couldn't get on the coach's good side, and his point totals were kind of modest for what I think people expected of him. He recently moved to the Niagara University this year, but uh, not a whole lot of information is available about him. I think that he was always going to be a long-term project. It will be interesting to see how he does with Niagara. Maybe when he's like 23 or 24, he comes out as a free agent or something in Winnipeg sees if maybe he becomes like a pro-level player. I, I don't have many expectations of him. I mean, he's like a, a huge left-handed shooting offensive defenseman but maybe that's that's all it is he might not have pro level instincts and skill uh you know 
Winnipeg is smart with their depth picks, and I think that they've gotten better as far as evaluating talented offensive defensemen with size. We'll see if they can uh, eventually salvage him and, and turn him into a reclamation project, but I think for now he's probably not going to be having a pro-level impact, which is fine. He's a seventh-round pick. But he's the kind of guy that you take like a, a home run chance on, see what happens. You never know. One of these guys occasionally ends up being a really good quality pro. That wraps up our 2017 draft coverage. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's episode. Let me know if you have any thoughts or, or want to dispute one of my prospect analyses. Thanks so much for listening. Before you log off for the evening, be sure to check out our affiliate show, the Locked On NHL National Broadcast with Sarah Avampado. I was actually on Monday's episode, if I recall correctly, so be sure to check that one out as well. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!